Sunnybrook. We're so glad that you're joining us virtually this morning and we welcome you to our online services. This morning we will be reading out of Psalms 139 as we continue in our Psalms series and Zane will be bringing us the lesson. 
Before I read the word, though, I just want to let you know, if you have any needs or want to connect with anyone at the church, please remember to reach out to somebody at the church, and we're happy to connect with you. The word of the Lord from Psalms 139. Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wonderful knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live in the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created in my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when, it, when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me, how vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me, who invoke you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and, and detest those who rebel against you? I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, good morning, Sunnybrook family. It's super good to be with you today. Um, before we jump into Psalm 139, I thought it would be kind of fun to play a game with you. Uh, and so we're going to play a quick game called Do You Know Me? Okay, do you know me? So uh, all this game is, is I'm just going to ask you a couple questions about myself, and we'll see if, if you know me. So question number one, do you know me? <laughs> like literally, do you know who I am? What is my name? What do I do? Okay, so I'll give you a couple, couple seconds if you're with your family to talk about it real quick, but do, do you know who I am? Okay, at this point, if you don't know, then uh, you probably won't know. So uh, my name is actually Zane Sutherland. I'm the kids minister here at Sunnybrook. I've been here uh, four years now, getting ready to start year five in November. Um, and so that, that's the answer to question number one. I, I am Zane, <laughs> right? Uh, kids minister here. Uh, so question, question number two, uh, what is my favorite sport? Okay, this is, this is one where you probably have to know me a little bit more outside of just, you know, knowing my name and what I do here around the church. It has to be a little bit more personal. So what, what is my favorite sport? 
Okay, if your answer was soccer, then you would be absolutely correct. I love soccer. I uh, get to coach soccer over at the high school and have played since I was four years old, so 26 years now, um, and thoroughly enjoy it. So that, that's kind of a big thing. Obviously, like we said, that moves a little bit deeper into the personal relationship aspect. Uh, this next question will take us even more so. Um, so ne- next question is, do you know when and where I was born? Ooh, that's a little bit different. Do you know when and where I was born? Okay, so the answer to this one, I, I, I'm going to guess that most of you probably said Colorado, right? That's, that's what I claim is my home, but that's actually not where I was born. Um, I was actually born May 17th, 1990 at 8.33 a.m. in St. Joseph's Hospital in Phoenix, Arizona. So my deepest roots actually run all the way back to Arizona. So I'm, a, I'm an Arizona boy. Okay. Um, and obviously that would be something that you would have to know me relatively well in order to, to know that. So that's more than just like soccer knowledge. That's, that's kind of knowing my story, right? Um, but probably last question, do you know what, what's going on in my heart right now? Like, do, do you know the very core essence of who I am as an individual? That one's, that one's a little bit more personal, isn't it? That one's a little deeper. And to be completely honest with you, there are times that uh, I, I don't even know the answer to that question. Uh, because of the broken nature of who I am as a sinner and yet someone made in the image of God, those two things war inside me at times. And I, I have to try and figure out what truly is at my core. You see, that, that type of knowing is something that goes so far beyond what we normally experience as human beings. And so when, when we look at this idea of what it means to know somebody, there is that continuum that we see. Uh, it, it can go all the way from having no clue who someone is, <laughs> right, or and never, ever, ever knowing them uh, over the course of their life here on planet Earth along with yours, to all the way knowing deeply who someone truly is. And that idea of knowing is the heartbeat of this psalm. And so let's, let's get into it. Uh, psalm 139, verse 1 says this, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Lord, you have searched me and known me. If I can give you the big picture of what we're talking about today, it is simply this, that God knows you. I, I, I don't want to rush over that truth. I don't want to just blow by it as something that we just read and move on to the next one. I want us to kind of sit in that for a second and to realize the depth of that phrase that David is trying to get us to understand, that the God of the universe knows you. And this isn't, this isn't a psalm about God knowing the entire world. This isn't a psalm about God knowing his chosen people, Israel. No, this is a psalm about God knowing David, and in turn, God knowing you and I on a personal, very deep, intimate level. So if you, if you read these first couple verses in the psalm, you, you'll begin to pick out that David almost like used a thesaurus as he wrote this first little bit uh, to, to help us understand and grasp the totality of how deeply God knows us. Read with me, starting in verse one again. Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me and you have placed your hand on me. Did you catch it? As we read there, God knows you. 
Now, now here's the problem. When we, when we think about this idea of being known, uh, for, for so many of us, we want to be known on our terms, right? That's why we create Instagram profiles or Facebook profiles. That's why we send out greeting cards around Christmas and have family pictures taken because we want to present an image of this is how I want to be known, right? And that's why we put filters on and all of these different things. There, there is an image that we want to portray to the world that says this is who I am. We, we love to control the narrative of who we are. And yet, God digs beneath that. Because the reality of the psalm is this, is that God doesn't know you on your terms. God knows you on his terms. When, when you think about it, it, it it's, it's this idea of the Wizard of Oz. You know the moment in the Wizard of Oz where they, they kind of come back into Oz after defeating the witch and they, they come before the great powerful Oz and it's this smoke screen of a man and it's, there's flashes of, of lightning and fire and smoke and all of these very intimidating things as this wizard is bellowing out all of these different things. And yet Toto, this stinking little dog, runs up and pulls back the curtain and reveals a scared, <laughs> timid little man. That's, that's what this psalm does is that it digs so far beneath the smoke screen that you and I try and portray to the world this picture of how we want to be known, and it gets us to who we truly, deeply are. Again, God, God doesn't want to know you on your terms. God wants to know you deeply on his terms. What, what we see in this psalm, in these first couple verses especially, is, is that there is nothing that is hidden from God. Every aspect, every little bit of who you are as a human being is laid out before the Father. I love Charles Spurgeon's quote as he's thinking through this whole idea that God knows you and the implications of what that means. He, he says this, he says, you have searched me as if you are looking for contraband goods. You have ransacked me. You have gone down into my heart and spread out every secret part of my being. The most intricate labyrinths of my spirit are all observed by you. Your search has been an effective one. You have read the secrets of my soul. <laughs> that's crazy when you think about it. And that's the type of knowledge that God has of you this morning. I want you to think about the, the depth of who that is. Because again, so many of us live with a sense of superficial or artificial relationships in the world around of us. Right? I mean, when we think about the idea of who truly knows you, I would be willing to bet that there's not many people that truly know you. Because again, how we choose to reveal ourselves to other people matters so much, right? And again, we, we want to portray, we want to put forth the very best of who we are. And if we do show those cracks, if we do show those weaknesses, then it is to, again, further us in some way, shape, or form. We don't love to expose the deep, dark secrets of our heart. And yet the psalm... And Spurgeon's quote so deeply reminds us that the very labyrinths that we have put in place to hide and to keep for ourselves these darkest parts of our soul, each and every one of them has been exposed to the God that knows all. You are known by God. That is no small thing. And so what do we, what do, we do with this? How do we respond to something this good? Well, I love what David actually says about this. He says, this wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. You see, when, when you truly take a moment and think through the implications of what that phrase means, that God knows you, it truly is overwhelming. 
It's the God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who the four creatures in heaven cry out, holy, 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 who was and who is and who is to come. The Almighty, the Holy One, that God who is enthroned in heaven above knows you on a personal level. And like David, there are times that I believe we should just stop and be in awe and wonder and amazement of how deeply our God knows us. It is no small thing to be known by God. And so again, the question is, how do we respond to that? What, what, what do you do when you are known like that? Well, option one is to freak out. <laughs> it's to be afraid. It, is, it truly is this idea of fear. When, when you encounter something great, there are times that it can be so overwhelming that the only thing that you want to do is flee from it. Right? If, imagine if, if you're at the zoo, okay, one of the things that we love to do as a family is to go to the zoo. And my personal favorite thing at the zoo is a bear. I'm, I'm a big bear guy. Maybe that's because of the Colorado aspect of me. But I love going to see whether it's a polar bear swimming in, in the, the Arctic waters or whatever that may look like, or a grizzly bear over on the other side of the fence. I like just standing and observing them in their natural habitat, right? And it's cool to, to see them at a distance, right? But imagine that bear gets over the barrier, <laughs> And now that bear has invaded your personal space. What do you do? You run, right? You flee. You try and find any way to escape that. And that's what this psalm is talking about. That the God of the universe, this incredible power, has invaded your personal space. He has gotten through the barriers that you have set up. And now he is standing, seeing the deepest, darkest parts of you. And David's response to this is simply, where can I escape your spirit? <laughs> Okay, He says, where can I flee from your presence? That's what happens when we stand in the reality of who God is. At times it can be completely overwhelming. It can be completely scary to realize that God knows you. And so our first response is to get as far away from that as we possibly can. And that's what David says. He says, if I go to heaven, well, guess what? You are there. If I, if, I, if I try and flee all the way up into the sky, if I try and run as far away as I possibly can, guess what, God, you were there. Or he, he flips it around and he says, if I make my bed in Sheol, guess what? Oh, there you are. And so again, you see this completeness of David's running, whether it's all the way up into heaven or it's all the way down into Sheol, God is still there. The reality of God is unavoidable. So he says, well, if, if I can't go up and down, maybe I can go east-west. He says, if I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, well, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will uphold me. So David says, if I run, if I try and settle anywhere away from your presence, God, if I can just, if I can just simply find a way to remove myself from you. And he says, yeah, it, it can't be done. God, your presence is so perfect and so with me. That even in my running, even in my attempt to get away, to sever this relationship, to, to flee from you so that I can be hidden again in my own safe space, you're there and you will lead me. And so he says, well, if, if, if I can't run, then maybe, maybe this is what you do. Maybe I will cover myself. Right? That's what we do when we don't want people to see us. Whether we, we either remove ourselves from that context, we try and run away, or we cover it up. Right, And so this is, this is the covering up. He says, if I say, surely darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like day. Darkness and light are alike to you. 
So whether we try and run away from God, sprint away from his deep knowledge of ourselves, or if we try and cover ourselves in a way that we cannot be hidden, it's like the little boy that's playing hide-and-go-seek with dad who runs into a closet and puts a jacket on and tries to cover. So, God, I can't see you. I can't see you. That means you can't see me. No, when you do that with God, just because you choose to not acknowledge his reality or his power or his knowing of you, it doesn't change him. Your opinion and thoughts on God don't, don't change who he is. God still knows you. Even when you try and run and hide, even when you play peekaboo with God, he is still there. There's nowhere that you can run. There's nowhere that you can hide to get away from the presence and power of God. And I love that, that even in this rebellion, even in this running, we see God's pursuit of David. How beautiful a picture that is, that even as David tries to run as far away from God as he possibly can or hide himself from him, God's response is, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. This darkness and this light, they're alike to you. God, there's nowhere that I can hide. Your pursuit of me is so good. And so uh, if if that doesn't work, if, if running away from God or trying to cover ourselves and hide ourselves from him it doesn't work, then, then maybe there's a better option. And that's, that's what we see in this psalm. David gives us a better option. Moving into verse 13, he says this, for it is you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are, run, are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days are written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast is their sum. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. And so what is, what is David trying to get us to understand in this moment? He's trying to get us to understand the better way is to simply have faith. When we truly come into God's presence and we understand how deeply and how fully and how encircling he is, how he knows you, maybe the better option is to just Sit in awe and wonder of who he is. If you go back through these verses 13 through 18, you'll notice that David is pointing out all of the different things that that God has made and how he has been created. I remember when I was uh, 11 years old, my family and I took a a trip to Russia. Uh, My mom and dad spoke at at this this marriage conference for a Russian church out there, and so I got to tag along as as an 11-year-old, go on one of these missions trips with my family, and it was awesome. And I remember... One of the coolest things that I got to see there was St. Basil's Cathedral in Red Square in Moscow. And even as a little boy, I remember standing at the foot of it and just looking up. And if you've never seen a picture of it, I would, I would tell you, especially on this, go ahead and pause real quick and Google it real fast. It truly is remarkable. Uh, the, the way that these, these men were able to put together not only architecture, but then color. Uh, they're masterful people who are able to put all of these different pieces together to create something truly wonderful and beautiful. And as you stand there in Red Square and look up at it, you just simply stop and say, wow, (laughs) this truly is incredible. 
And maybe it's not St. Basil's Cathedral for you. Maybe it's a piece of art where you're able to see the way that an artist is able to use shapes and colors and shading in order to create a beautiful picture. Or maybe it's a, a song for you that you're able to see the way a, a composer is able to take different notes, different sounds, and compose those in such a way that they make a beautiful sound. And in the same way, David is, is stopping and he's looking and he's saying, God, when I look at myself, when I look at how you've created me, how you've knit me together, how wondrous and remarkable it is that, God, this all works, that I am able to breathe in and have life. God, that you, you have purposed and you have created and you have planned all of those things together so perfectly. My response has to be praise. Did you catch that? That's what he says. He says in verse 14, I will praise you. And then again, I know this very well, that, that my days are written in your book and they are planned. All of this is faith language for us, this, this knowing that then leads to praise and worship and adoration, or as we say around here a whole lot, this idea of making much of Jesus. That's, that's the heartbeat of who we are. And in the same way, that's the heartbeat of who David is. When he stops and he truly begins to understand that this, this knowing is not something that should, should create fear in us. It shouldn't well up this idea that, man, I need to get away from this. But truly, instead, to just stop and pause and reflect and breathe and rest and be in awe and amazement of who God is. That then leads to praise and wonder and worship. And that's, that's David's response in the psalm. And then he says, understand this, God, that, that you have purposed me. <laughs> that, that I live with a purpose. Not only do you, do you know me, not only are you with me, but now you have purposed me for your good. When we look at the rest of the council of scripture, we see that God has purposed us so that we can glorify and make much of him, that we can partner with him at making his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And David just stops and says, because of that, God, I will praise you. I will have faith in you. What a beautiful picture. And then he, he begins to say, God, how precious are your thoughts to me. How, how vast is their sum? If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. And I, I just imagine it being this picture of David kind of thinking through all of these different things and being like, man, is this too good to be true? <laughs> Have you had those moments in your life where you, you're so scared of waking up because you feel like this is so good? That if I, if, if I change or if I move outside of this moment right now, it's going to be a dream. It's just that good. Like I, I can just imagine David having that sense as he truly reflects on how deeply God knows him, how present God is with him, how purposed he is by the God of the universe. Just saying, God, I don't want to wake up because this is so good. And yet he does and he realizes, no, God, you're still with me. No, you, you're still here. This knowledge that you have of me, it, it is, it's still there. And then he says, God, if only you would kill the wicked. <laughs> and for us, we're like, David, hold on. For 18 verses, you have talked about how good God's knowledge is of you and how he is with you and how he has purposed you and how he has made you well. And now you turn around and in verse 19, it feels so abrupt to us right? Uh, he, he says, God, if you would only kill the wicked, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me who invoke you deceitfully. You, 
Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you. I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. What? That seems like such a, such a harsh break in this psalm doesn't it? It, 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 seems, it seems to us especially that this feels completely disconnected from where David has been going this entire time. He's been setting up this great grand picture of who God is and how deeply he knows us. And then it comes to this and it's, God, I hate evil people. <laughs> how disconnected does that feel? And yet, and yet, it is so very connected to everything that David is saying. As he looks at the world around him and he begins to understand that the way of the world is different than the way of God. <laughs> that this, this revealing that God has done to him, this, this picture that God has, has peeled back the curtain a little bit and given him a better picture of what life truly is about. David looks and he says, okay, this world around me, it, it does not fit. It doesn't fit with, God, how you have called us to live. And so, God, I, I need you to understand that, that I know that you have purposed me, like we said before, but you have purposed me for a holiness. You have purposed me so that I can be like you, that I can be a picture of you and the world around me. And so, God, understand that my heartbeat is that you would come and you would judge the wickedness of this world so that it would be eradicated, so that things could be as they were. And although this may seem like harsh language, Jesus doesn't shy from it. <laughs> In the same way that he loves the Pharisees and then turns around and calls them a brood of vipers, <laughs> wicked men who were spreading poison to the people of Israel, it's the same thought here. That God still loves people and he still pursues them, even in their rebellion, and yet calls out the wickedness in them. And in the same way, David is calling out wickedness here. And he's identifying that there are two paths. There are two ways for us to live. There is, as he says here towards the end, there is the way of wickedness. There is the offensive way. And then there is the everlasting way. And so David begins to wrap up this psalm and he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me then, God, into the everlasting way. You see, this, this, this idea of hating the wicked and wanting God to judge and kill the wicked, it is, it's identifying that there, there's a broken way in this world that needs to be judged. And there's a, there's a longing for all of us that sin would be done away with. And yet God can see deep within us if we truly are holding on to that if we still kind of like the wickedness that is in us. And so David says, God, as I'm calling out for your judgment, as I am calling out that you would judge the wicked, that you would, you would get rid of the sin, would you search deeply inside of my heart as you already have and know me? Try me and know even my anxious thoughts, the ones where I get nervous, these places that I turn to in my nervous moments, God, where do I go? And do I truly run to you or do I look to the things of this world to try and answer my problems, to try and solve the issues that I have in front of me? God, in those moments, where do I turn? Search me, know me, test me. And he says, God, in those moments, would, would, you, would you see if there's an offensive way in me? 
and then would you then turn and lead me into the everlasting way? You see, David ends this by talking about repentance. He says, God, help me as you know me. Expose the dark places in my heart. Help me see clearly those places that are not of you. As, as I turn and I hate the wicked, make sure, Father, that those things are not in me. And God, if they are, would you expose, would you reveal them to me so that I cannot walk in the, offen- in the offensive way, but Father, that I would live in a way that is of you, an everlasting way, a way that is good, a way that makes much of you. See, that's the heart. We talk all the time that repentance is not just turning away from our sin, but that it is then turning to God. And you see that here. Take me away from the offensive way and then lead me, Father, into the way everlasting. The beauty of this psalm is that God knows you. He knows your heartbeat. He knows the very core of who you are. There's, there's a great kids movie um, that, that, that's called The Guardians. And, and, and in this, there's a great moment between Santa Claus and Jack Frost. I am a kids minister, so this is legal for me to go here. Okay? Um, but tatted up Russian Santa uh, gets, gets Jack Frost cornered in his toy room, his, his workshop, and uh, he begins to ask J- Jack this question. He says, Jack, who are you? And then he, he goes and he explains, um, Jack, this is who I am. And he, he pulls out these Russian nesting dolls because he's Russian Santa, of course, right? And he begins to unpack each and every one. And he talks about how, you know, he, he is joyful and he is fun and all of the faces on the Russian nesting doll all kind of point to that. And then it gets to the very middle and it's this little baby with wide eyes. And he says, Jack, at, at my very core, I am a person of awe and wonder. I see wonder in the world around me. And then he very pointedly looks and he says, so who are you? And I think what this psalm does for me is it begins to ask that question of who, who am I? <laughs> what is at my core? What, what, what's, what's going on deep, deep in here? God knows it. And so the ask then here at the end is, God, would you reveal that so that I may know and faithfully follow you? No, again, the beauty of this psalm is that God knows you. And yet, brothers and sisters, he sent Christ to die for you. Now the reality is this, is that, that God, God knows every aspect of you. He sees the good in you, but he also sees the dark blackness that you've hidden from each and every other person. And yet Romans 5 teaches us that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What a beautiful hope that we have in Christ that God in his infinite wisdom and goodness, knowing who we were, knowing that we desperately needed a savior, sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross to rescue us out of our brokenness and welcome us back into relationship with him. What an incredible picture. And so we come to this time of communion and that's, that's what we remember today, that God knows you, he knows every aspect of who you are and yet, He loves you, 
it goes back to John 3.16, that God showed his love for us in this way, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Or as it says in Psalm 103, that he has removed our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. And as we talked about, that God's totality of knowing and his presence is, is there from the east to the west, so God has removed your sin from you in that way so that you can be right before God Almighty. And so, brothers and sisters, would you take the bread and would you take the juice and would you remember and celebrate that even though God knows you, he loves you and has sent Christ to die for you, would you eat well? And would you drink well?
So for our time of corporate prayer this morning, we're just going to pray through this psalm. Uh, the last two verses, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray that first part, um, and then we're gonna, we'll, we'll have a second for you to just simply reflect and pray through those things, and then we'll pray verse 24 together. And so to start, let's pray, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. And again, what we want you to pray here is that, that you, you would have an openness to God. <laughs> right? So many times we try and put up all of these different walls, all of these different boundaries, so that we can protect our hearts from being seen and being known at the deepest level. And so the prayer this morning is this, that God, would you allow me to be open to being known deeply by you? And so take a moment, humble yourself, and come before the God of the universe and ask that he would search you and know you well. And now, in verse 24, see if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. And again, what we want to pray here is that we would repent and believe well. This idea that God would expose those things in us that are not of him. That we would turn from those things and allow ourselves to believe that which is right. Which would then allow us to live in a way that makes much of Jesus in this. And so pray now that God would expose those things in your life that are not of him and that he would lead you in a way that you would make much of him. Well, brothers and sisters, it has been so good to get to worship with you this morning. Uh, we love you guys. Again, we want to encourage you that if you have any questions or if you would like to continue any of the conversations that we've had this morning, um, please go ahead and give us a call. We would love to meet with you, chat with you, whatever that may look like for you. Um, and so we love you guys, and we will see you next week.